Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of chapter 14 of the first book of Kings, that is Melachim Aleph, Perik Yudalid. The first half of the chapter we read of the demise and the end of the king of, of Yerav Am and his death. And we left the kingdom of Israel with Nadav, the son of Yerav Am, taking over as king. And with the prediction of Achia that very soon Yeravam's entire family would be wiped out and another king would take over the northern kingdom. That will, the fulfillment of that prophecy will save for a little bit later. We'll get back to it. But as the pattern of this book continues, we've now flipped to the southern kingdom, to the kingdom of Judah, where Rechavam is still the king. Rechavam ben Shlomo, or Rehaboam, Rechavam the son of Shlomo, Malach Bihuda, he's the king in Yehuda. And it's important here that Rechavam is listed as the son of Shlomo because, because Yeravam, the entire first half of the chapter was not referred to as Yeravam ben Nevat, Yeravam the son of Nevat, because um, Nevat was not an important figure. But Rechavam, the only his claim to fame was that Yeravam achieved his kingship on his own merits, so he's named by himself. Rechavam achieved being king because he was the son of Shlomo, and it also wants to point out a major contrast between Shlomo and Rechavam. But Rechavam is the son of Shlomo, he's the king in Yehuda, ben Arboim v'achas shana, he is 41 years old. <coughs> That's when he came, became king. Um, that's when he became king and he was king for 17 years in the city of Jerusalem that is the city that God had chosen to place his name there <coughs> as represented by the temple that was chosen from all of the tribes of Israel God chose the city of Jerusalem and the name of his mother was Naamah Amunit was Naamah from Ammon. Now remember, Shlomo, remember the verse reminds us Rechavam is the son of Shlomo because it's important to understand the story and Rechavam's origins in contrast to Yeravam, again. Now, Rechavam was the son of Naamah who was an Ammonite, an Ammonite woman. Remember, Shlomo had women, married foreign women from all over the world. It was those foreign women that led him astray because, you know, whether they may be nominally converted to the Israelite religion, but the, but the bottom line is, is they didn't adopt a fo the uh, following God. They didn't adopt monotheism, which was the official religion of the Jewish people, of the people of Judah and, and Shlomo's kingdom. They continued in their ways, which eventually led Shlomo himself astray, as we read when we read of Shlomo's life. Rechavam was the son of one of those foreign women, Naamah Amunit. the inference being, and of course the rabbinic tradition points this out strongly, that the inference being that it was her influence that made Rechavam um, go astray himself. And, and, and because of this foreign influence, um, the, the people did not uh, stay faithful to God and they ended up going off in all sorts of corrupt and dangerous directions. And Yehuda, Judah, the people of Judah, also did bad. They did evil in the eyes of God. And they made God even more angry. This language is made God jealous, so to speak. 
even worse than any of the sins that their forefathers had done. Remember, during the times of Shoftim, of the judges, during, even during the times of Shmuel, we studied and saw that the people of Israel were not exactly always on their best behavior. But these people of Judah were even worse, with the sins that they had sinned. And they built many uh, altars, and and matzevot are, are, um, are, uh, uh, are like some sort of you know a, a, a monuments ba'asherim and asherim which are the sacred uh, trees of sort al kol givah givoha that they and, but when it says that they built asherim which gives the image that it's not necessarily an actual growing tree but it's some kind of a pillar uh, in some translations al kol givah givoha on every single hill every high hill and under every single leafy tree that you could find. This is just a phrase saying it was everywhere. On every hill, you find some kind of idol worship going on. There was also Kadesh. Now, Kadesh is understood to be a sexually promiscuous practice, but um, a Kadesh is understood by most modern scholars to be a a male prostitute. People that were set in the land for male prostitution. Um, people that were dedicated and devoted to the, wor- the corrupt and, and, um, uh, and base way of serving these foreign gods through uh, sacred prostitution. And I, I want to point out that the sin is not just the sexual promiscuity that's the issue, but a Kadesh, when a person becomes sanctified, that is sexual slavery, that which is going on. That the re- the reason why idol worship is so bad, there's obviously the terrible theological mistake of something that's simply untrue. But it's not just untrue, but it leads to activities that that debase people and and abuse people. Um, uh, that 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 you know this the sexual slavery that people are put into and child sacrifice and. All kinds of terrible, terrible um, uh, suffering uh, that that in- accrued because of this uh, of this behavior of this worshiping other gods. In other words, it's the, the verses deliberately pointing out to us that it's not just the fact that they worship an idol, which was bad enough, but the worship of the idol even leads to that kind of treatment of human beings. Also, they did like all of those disgusting things that the nations did. That God had. Had, had um, gotten rid of them. God had driven out those people from before the people of Israel because they were so corrupt. And but they, the people of Israel, went ahead. And here specifically, we're referring to the people of Judah went ahead and practiced the same terrible practice. And it was in the fifth year, Lamelech Rechavam, for the, the fifth year of the kingdom of Rechavam, Allah Shishak Melech Mitzrayim Al Yerushalayim, Shishak which is the Hebrew name of the Pharaoh, which is a Pharaoh that we know from Egyptian uh, history, which is someone that is, is, is well known. Um, in the, uh, uh, there's a famous uh, temple of Amon in Karnak, Egypt, which has been excavated. And this is really the first uh, encounter we have in the, uh, in the Tanakh that we've been reading together 
where, where uh, chronologically the first one, I mean, we, we, when we learned the Treyasar, the 12 minor prophets, we, we kind of went a little bit out of order in terms of the chronology. But this is the first uh, events that we're reading in the Bible that we have very clear contemporaneous extra-biblical sources that, that uh, report on these events that we're about to read about. And in that temple, there, were, there are descriptions and inscriptions that describe the attack of Shishak on, on the people of Judah, which we're, we're about to read about. So, um, and remember, this, it's important because in the book of Chronicles, there are a lot more details about Rehavam's kingdom and which portray Rehavam's ups and downs, his successes and his failures. Here, we're really, it's really not a bit, it's not a historical narrative. It's really just telling us the events that we need to know. Not that they are not historical. These, of course, these events are historical here. And we even have this particular event, as I mentioned, corroborated from other sources at the same time period. But, but the importance is not the event. The importance is the lesson. In the book of Kings, that's what it is. In the book of Chronicles, it might give other details, which, which um, might be important for other reasons. So during his time, Shishak attacked Jerusalem. Now, this is in the context of what we just learned. Remember that Shishak was somehow related to Rechavam in some way, maybe not uh, uh, because, uh, I don't know exactly how Shishak would have been related to the Batparo, Pharaoh's daughter of the generation prior, but there's some relationship there between the royal families, and she had been the prized wife of Shlomo. Now, one can surmise, but this is absolutely conjecture. There's no way for us to ever know this, that possibly part of this war was Rechavam, we just pointed out, was the daughter, was the son of Naamah, Ha'amunit, was, an, was the daughter of Naamah, who was an Ammonite woman. It's possible that, that there were other sons that Shlomo had through his prized wife, uh, Pharaoh's wife, the, 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 the daughter of Pharaoh, who was Shlomo's wife. And, and so it went, while Shlomo built an alliance, Rechavam ended up being the enemy because he was the one that took over the kingdom and not, not the descendants of, of Paro's wife, not the, not the Egyptian descendants. So Shishak, who a generation earlier, the, Shishak's predecessor, Pharaoh, was an ally of Shlomo. Now Shishak is an enemy of Rechavam. That's uh, I, like I mentioned. There's no way anyone could ever prove or know that. I'm just uh, guessing that that's a possible explanation. But regardless of the explanation of why there was a falling out between the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Egypt, uh, is clear. You know the fact that there that the fact that it happened is clear. That there was a falling out. Those erstwhile allies are now enemies. So Shishak goes and invades uh, and attacks Jerusalem. And when he attacked Jerusalem. And he attacked, as we know from the temple inscription, that he devastated the cities of, of Judah. We also know from the same inscription that he devastated and attacked the northern kingdom of Israel as well. And that is not mentioned here and, you know, because it's just not important for the narrative. When we were talking about Yerav Am's career, Yerav Am also stood up and fought and lost significantly to the Egyptians. But that's not recorded because that's just not important. But this we're about to learn is something which we're going to learn a lesson from. So Shishak comes, attacks many cities in Judah, which is not mentioned, but then he gets to Jerusalem and attacks Jerusalem. When he gets there, he took the treasures of the house of God. When Shlomo, his father, was faithful to God, he built up all those treasures. When Rechavam, 
the son is not faithful to God and the people turn away, then Shishak comes and takes the treasures. And this is a pattern again which we're going to see throughout this book. Not only the temple treasures, but the treasures of the king's palace as well. He took everything, all the gold and the silver and so on. And he took all of the golden shields. Some understand these golden shields to be shields that were actually used for war. But um, if anyone... Uh, but gold is not really usable, uh, used typically as a, as a shield material in, in war, A, because it's a soft, very soft metal, it's not the best, and B, obviously, because it's extremely expensive. So it, these shields were probably more, uh, others understand them to have been something ceremonial. And these golden shields were a, a demonstration of the wealth and power that Shlomo made, um, and that Shlomo used these shields to demonstrate you know, his wealth and his power, not so much that they were actually used for protection. So now, uh, he took those, those golden shields. The, it, it, it is known also historically that Shishak had a significant amount of gold, which some scholars suggest he may have gotten that gold from raiding the, the Shlomo, the temple. It's certainly possible, a very plausible explanation, but again, no way to know or prove that. So Rechavam, when those shields were taken, he made instead Magine Nechoshet. He made bronze shields. So, so bronze, which kind of looks like goldish. So it's like it's making Rechavam look like a petty, cheap replacement for his father. His father had these gold shields. Rechavam was, lost half the kingdom. And he, and he just like... To pretend that he's like his father, he made these cheap bronze shields. And he appointed the um, officers uh, of the the officers of the guards that would guard the doors of the entrance of the of the palace. He made them. Um, he had them uh, be in charge of their safekeeping. So he treated them as if they were something special, while they were really just a cheap replacement. And he, what did he use these bronze shields for? When the king came to the house of God, he saw Then the officers would, or the guards, would carry them and like display them. So those that understood these to be actual weapons understand that when the king comes, he needs these shields for protection. Those that understand these as being ceremonial objects would understand that Shlomo used the shields. And, it's, and grand ceremonies, and Rechavam uses them for his measly little nothing ceremony, which is like pales in comparison to what his father had. And then immediately after the ceremony, he was even afraid that those would be stolen. So he would return them to their safekeeping where the guards were watching them. Again, uh, the, this this chapter here and the Book of Kings in general is not interested in telling you all the details of the history. If you want to know the rest of the history about Rechavam's uh, kingdom, and all the things that he did, go ahead and look it up in the uh, Chronicles, um, in the book where it's recorded the history of the excuse me the kings of Judah. And now we're going to hear. When Rechavam and Yeravam were two kings together of the south and the north, Judah and Israel together, there was war between them. 
So it would it seems to be indicating it might mean war, meaning there was just a, like a cold war, so to speak. Uh, they did not have warm relations, but it also sounds like there probably was some hot war as well, some actual fighting between them. Even though, remember, we learned before that they, that Rechavam held back from fighting an all-out civil war when Yeravam seceded, uh, which almost led to an all-out civil war. But once Yeravam established himself as king, there ended up being a just a, a, a less all-out war, but some sort of war between them. Now Rechavam, Ve'yishkav Rechavam im Avotav, Rechavam passes away, he lies with his forefathers, and he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Again, it reminds us that his mother is Naamah the Amunit. And Aviyam, his son, became the king after him. So now we have the royal line of the of the kings of Judah goes from David, King David, to uh, Shalomo. King Solomon to Rechavam, that's Rehoboam, King Rechavam, and then his son, King Aviyam, which we will be introduced to him and his uh, career in, uh, pretty soon. Uh, thank you so much for studying chapter 14 together. Looking forward, of course, to studying chapter 15 and this entire book together. Uh, have a wonderful day.